Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode five of the podcast. Thank you for being returning listeners. We are more than halfway to the 10 episode mark. And what I've learned about podcasting is that most podcasts don't go beyond like six or seven episodes. So although this is episode five, I also did an intro. So this is technically episode six. So we are right in that sweet spot. And I kind of get it because I used to think when I would watch like my friend Lauren do podcasting, I would think it's not that big of a deal. It's not that hard. All you do is sit around and do a video and record yourself talking. But then it occurred to me that it actually is a lot of work. And now that I've done it for almost six episodes, I am floored at how much work it is, especially when you don't have a team or a budget of any kind, thus you're still in a closet. <laughs> like it's, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time taken away from your personal life between recording and editing and posting and figuring everything out. So I want to thank you for listening because it does take time and it is obviously a lot of time and preparation within creating this. For today's subject, I wanted to talk about something that's really personal to me, but also something that I think is affecting many, many people. I'm going to also, I always speak for like Americans, but that's just because I know American culture really well. So I'll just say the American culture is very affected by this. Whereas I have never traveled to certain countries, but places like Italy, I've heard they don't really have this issue. Or in other cultures, they have a lot of days off or they have three-day weekends or something like that. I don't think they deal with this as much if you are an international listener. I know I have a few of you, but if you are wanting to understand American culture a little bit better, I think today might be a good episode for you to listen to because burnout is a really bad, I'm going to call it an epidemic that is affecting millions and millions of people within the United States, including myself and a lot of my friends and family. Now, if you've never heard of the term burnout, I have two different definitions and they have overlap because both defining sources are going to have overlap, but one of them I think is a little more work focused and the other one I believe is more full perspective of life focused on what burnout could be. So the World Health Organization defines burnout as a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job, or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. The secondary definition I just found on Google, but I think, as I said, it has a broader scope of what burnout really is. Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, or mental exhaustion caused by excessive or prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet constant demands. So I like that broader viewpoint because I personally have experienced it the last few years. I understood burnout in college in a very different way than I understand burnout now. In college, I was doing full-time and sometimes even more than full-time school credits per year, just trying to get my degree done. And at the same time, I was at least working part-time, if not full-time, especially in the summer, 
in order to try and counteract student loans and pay those off. So a lot of times the way that it would go is that I maybe would have classes in the morning, I would work on an on-campus job midday, and then I'd have afternoon classes, and then I either would have time for more homework, I would do a different part-time job, or I would have a social event. And that's kind of how I lived my life. I really didn't sleep a lot. I didn't eat well. I really lived off like trail mix and those, um, what were those chicken wraps called at McDonald's? We had like a non-glorified version of that in our school cafeteria at my college. And so that's really what I lived off of was like chicken wraps and trail mix. And I think back to that time and my friends and I always joke, like, how did we do that? How did we have the energy in order to do that? But I think the reason that we did was we were working toward a bigger purpose and there was always a promise of something better after graduation. So it was like, this is a lot of work and school is a lot emotionally and mentally, but I'm working towards a bigger purpose. And at the end of this, I will have student loans, but I also will have a career. And there was a light at the end of the tunnel and a goal for us to aim towards. And I think it just made it easier to anticipate that and to be excited about that even on the really tough all-nighters awful days. Now I think that has changed a lot since I started my career. I graduated in December of 2017 so I just celebrated five years out of college and I started the career position that I'm currently still in in the spring of 2018 and Immediately, things are really difficult at this job. Within the first year of working there, I was on a team of, at that point, 10 people, and we had turnover two times. Uh, in one singular year, I had four bosses, and it was really difficult because I really had no onboarding process, and I really had no idea of stability in a workplace. I hadn't experienced that yet. And so I just was buying my time. It was very much get this on a resume for two years, say that you worked here, have this company, you know, associated with your name, and then we could figure it out when we get to that point. And so a lot of that too was a time of, yes, emotional burnout, but again, there was a goal at the end. It was getting out. It was going to a new position. It was finding something more stable in the future. And so if I could just have, this is my end date in two years, then I could do it. Now, that's not how things played out. Unfortunately, obviously 2020 hit and that two years was not ideal to be leaving a job. And so I did stay in the current role that I'm in, but a lot of my life surrounding my work also started to change. In July of 2019, I've talked about this before in other YouTube videos, I went through a really bad breakup and that was very emotionally draining. And beyond just the breakup portion of it, there was also the fact that we were co-leading a small group, which if you've ever co-led a small group, you know that there has to be a lot of intentional time spent together planning out what you're going to teach or kind of the next goals of your group. And so I had to continue to be a small group leader for 14 months. And I guess you could look at that and say, well, you didn't really have to. But the reality is 
I couldn't name anybody else to step up. I didn't feel good about stepping down for that reason. And so I stayed and I wouldn't necessarily do anything different. It was just a really tough period of time. But that brought us into 2020, as I just mentioned, where we had a lot of awful things happening around the world. But particularly, I live in Minnesota. And so a lot of the news coverage and the protests and the really hard discussions were happening 20 minutes away from my home. At the same time, I also felt like God was telling me I was going to go to LA. And so again, I kind of had a goal and it was like, well, once once this season of time and this disease is done, that was kind of the thinking at the time, then I will head to this place and I will do what God's calling me to do. But obviously things were down and closed for a lot longer than we thought. And so that brought me into 2021 where I'm still working this job that's really difficult. Some things had settled at this point. I had a little more stable leadership and team, but then my outside life was really chaotic and I was feeling really bitter towards God at the fact that I didn't get to do any of the things that I had wanted to do. And he was not only making me wait, but as he was opening the rest of the world, other people got to get back on with their lives. And I still felt like I was sitting in Minnesota really struggling. I I remember this time really specifically and very clearly in November of 2021, I was in a car by myself and I was just like, I don't feel purpose in this life. And so if this is what it is, like I just, I want you to end it because I, I don't want to do that. And I just am not feeling like I want to continue living in the way that I'm living. And I would like to say that God turned everything around and things got better. And I think that's the story that I hear a lot of times is people saying, oh, you know, I I wish I could have seen what happened like three months later or a year later or where I was six months later. And for me, it actually got worse. Um, Going to the end of 2021, about a month after that time frame, I had a family member die unexpectedly. I had another family member be put in a hospital for a week fighting for their life with pneumonia. And they ended up having to stay with us for a month and be on an oxygen tank. And thankfully, they fully recovered. But that went right into a planned surgery that we had had for my dad in January of 2022. And without getting into all of the intricate details of the last year, my dad ended up having a lot of complications and having to have four surgeries in five months between January and May. And then during his final surgery, he had a bad reaction to antibiotics because they were trying to fight an infection. And he had hallucinations. He had altered state of mind. And he basically had a pre-form of kind of like dementia or Alzheimer's. And so that really emotionally weighed on me. And basically, I had one month where that was coming to an end before then in work, everything just got flipped upside down again. Me and another coworker got transferred to another team and it was very out of the blue. We really didn't get a warning on it. Just one day we came in and we were on a different team under different leadership and it's been a totally different vibe and it's just not necessarily something that's emotionally feeding me or benefiting me and um, my coworker actually put in her two weeks notice and has already left since August, since these six months. And it's just been really difficult. It's been a real struggle. And so I really resonate with this idea, not only of burnout, but just burnout 
of your work, burnout of your personal life, burnout of your emotions, of your mental capacity, of your creativity, of your purpose, of everything you have to give. And then you talk to people about it and you're trying to create social connections and people always have this like easy response and they'll be like, well, what do you think God's trying to teach you? Like, what do you think you're supposed to be learning from this? And it's like, I have no clue because I think if I was supposed to learn something, he probably knows me well enough where he could have taught me it in the last four years. And that's a weird cliffhanger to sit on, but that's really where my life is at. And I've experienced burnout in ways I can't express, obviously to the point of like not even wanting to live. I've had depressive naps, depressive episodes where I just wanted to sleep all the time. And I've really been struggling in a way that I haven't really talked about, at least on here. I've talked about it a little bit personally with some people, but with a lot of people, I've just kept it to myself and I kept things moving. And um, I'm really seeing burnout come into my life in a different way than I anticipated. And I know I'm not the only one dealing with this because I see a ton of people on social platforms discussing how they are really struggling, especially Gen Z. Like, this corporate structure is really difficult to work under and college is really different than it was before. We have a very different economy. There's a lot of things that have changed, but I had a conversation with three of my friends on Saturday night that I think was really eye-opening because a lot of people that I talked to about this, specifically with my job burnout are people who work in corporate or friends that I have that work in tech. But the three friends that I talked to on Saturday all come from various backgrounds, which made the conversation really interesting. The husband used to work in a trade for like a decade. The wife is a stay-at-home mom. And then our other friend works in corporate as well as I do. And so the perspectives that we had on this discussion on Saturday night were really interesting because it really drove home that you can have any job in any situation and still deal with burnout. So maybe you're wondering what are a few signs of burnout? These are some that I have put together, but I also looked online and kind of created a list of four or five that you might be experiencing. But you also may experience many more than these four. Dragging yourself to work or having a hard time self-starting. So for me, how this plays out is on Sunday nights, I have something called the Sunday Scaries, which a lot of you may experience. And the Sunday Scaries are basically a feeling of hopelessness for the week, stress that you have to go back to work and work for five days in a row, and just feeling really down. This also kind of goes into having a hard time self-starting. So maybe when you get up in the morning, it's more than just, oh, I'm groggy or I'm tired. It's that I just don't really have a push to get started on my work because I don't feel like what I'm doing has a purpose. Number two, irritability or impatience. I had a friend tell me last night how you react when you're interrupted or in convenienced is how you really feel inside coming out without a filter. And I thought about that and I was actually on the way to talking with this friend last night. I had two different scenarios happen, one right after the other, that really were a reminder of what it feels like when I'm irritable and I'm inconvenienced and I'm impatient. And I was trying to head to this friend's house and I've been having some car issues. I really didn't mention that in my rundown of burnout as well, but having car issues and having to be a woman in a situation where you're fighting with a dealership or with a mechanic on things that you don't really know about, but you're just trying to advocate for yourself. That's another 
another aspect of burnout that's really fun. That's obviously sarcasm. I have a loner car right now because my car has been in the mechanics for about a week and a half. And I realized I didn't have my car, like my garage door opener closer, if you know what that is, like the Bluetooth garage opener. I realized I didn't have mine. And so I got out of the car and I went and I tried to get the little slider thing on the side of my garage to key in the code to put it down and the slider wasn't working. So then I walked into my garage and I opened the big door of the garage and I closed the little one and I thought, okay, I've done this a hundred times before. I'm going to hit close on the big door and I'm going to run and I'm going to jump over the sensor that we have at the bottom of our garage door. So I tried to do that and then I couldn't make it in time because it was too slippery and I just didn't want to hurt myself. So then I unlocked the door to my house and I called my mom and I said, will you come get this garage door for me so I can go? So finally I'm thinking, okay, let's just get in the car. Let's just go. We're going to be a couple minutes late. Well, within a second of starting the car and starting to reverse down my driveway, I hit a patch of ice and the tires just aren't that great on the loner. And so I ended up sliding into the side of my driveway where we have feet and feet of snow right now because I'm in Minnesota and my back tire got stuck and I couldn't move because all my tires were on ice and the back one was stuck in snow. So then I had to go in and ask my mom to help me shovel out the back tire and put down, we have like kitty litter, um, but if you have like sand or salt or something, that'll help leverage your tires on ice. And so I knew I was going to be even later than I already was going to be. And then this happened and it just was another thing, another inconvenience. Why can't things just happen how I want them to happen? And I noticed that my patience with my mom and with myself and with the whole situation was really thin. I was pretty snippy and I was pretty moody and I was annoyed that I had deal with this when I'm already dealing with with all these other things in my life, right? Like why couldn't I just left the house easily and just had an easy ride to my friend's house? And so I got there and then she said, how you react when you're interrupted or inconvenienced is how you really feel inside coming out without a filter. And she's absolutely right because I've seen that so much in the last year, just with the unpredictability of my dad's health state and just feeling like other people my age aren't going through what I've gone through. They don't know what I've experienced. Like they don't understand. They never, you know, they won't understand for 10 or 20 more years. And I hope that they don't. Like I genuinely hope people don't understand. And I also go back and forth with this feeling of guilt because I'm like, well, some people experience worse. And and I had that come to a realization recently when a family member is having a lot of health issues. It just came out of the blue and there's a lot going on. And so it was just a reminder that like things can always be worse. But I don't think that we really should be approaching burnout in that way because that doesn't solve like our issue with burnout. Another sign of burnout is feeding an addiction like shopping, food, D-R-U-G-S, alcohol or relationships or P-O-R-N. Again, I don't know what words I can really say or whatever. You just never know what you get flagged for in here. That's social media right now. But if you have an addiction that you're feeding, even if it's a relationship, if you're going to somebody to feel loved because you don't feel appreciated at work, or if you're going to um, talk to another stay-at-home mom and complain about your husband and your kids because you want to feel understood, but it's at the expense of other people, that's not necessarily the most healthy way 
to handle that. You, you being affirmed by your friend in the long run doesn't actually solve the problems that you want solved at your house. And in the same way, you can look at things like buying a bunch of stuff, eating a lot of food, um, going to substances that alter your state of being or your, your mind. And those things really impact you in a way that is unhealthy in the long run. Like anything that is good is good in moderation. And then anything beyond that is bad. And I, I don't mean to say that in like a, a constricting sense, especially for people like we talked about last week with eating disorders and food issues. I don't mean it in that way, but I just mean in a lot of things in life, if we go for excess because we're trying to feed something in an emotional or mental or, you know, spiritual sense, it never feeds and satisfies the way that we want. The final sign of burnout that I've experienced over the last few months is increased stomach issues, neck aches, and headaches. So if something doesn't come out in an emotional sense, like being inconvenienced and kind of verbally lashing out at people, or it doesn't come out in you having a mental breakdown or um, a mental health crisis, it could come out in a physical sense, like your body taking on stress and your cortisol levels rising. And I'm learning a lot about cortisol right now as I'm researching hormones and I'm researching uh, metabolism and just trying to figure out what I'm going to do with myself and my health and my body this year. Cortisol really is important. And when cortisol levels are elevated for a long period of time and stress affects your body, it affects how you feel physically. Now I'm trying to touch on different pieces of people's lives because when I was having this conversation with these three friends, it it was eye-opening that stress and burnout can play out in many different ways. So my friend that's a stay-at-home mom the burnout is not feeling like she has time for herself or for social activities or even the energy to host people or have social events or go to social events because she does give so much to her children. And she kind of has that back and forth of wanting to aid her kids and really benefit them and bless them by having a parent around that's consistent and stable and loving and caring. But at the same time, she's really struggling with who she is and what her identity is as an individual and also how to meet her own needs while she's meeting the needs of everybody around her. In the same way, her husband, who's also my friend who worked in trades, was talking about how he had to be a foreman and just the emotions of constantly having to come into contact with conflict and having to put your foot down and really advocate for a team over and over and over again and say, this is not what we're doing. These are the hours we're working or you have no staff to work this job. And so it's not a traditional, you know, work sense that we're used to, but he still has to advocate for a team, lead a team, come into conflict and and figure out how to work that out and really do it in a healthy way. And then also he said not bringing it home because you have all this anger and this frustration about your job and you're mad that you're away from your family and you just wish that things are more convenient or more on a regular time frame and you never know what to expect every week. And so before he has a new job now, he just got it, but he was talking about this past job and how he would bring it home and how work-life balance was really hard for him because he couldn't 
You can't sign off from your emotions and you can't sign off from a difficult situation. This also might play out if you work in healthcare or in a field where you really care for other people or you care for children and you come home and you've given everything you can at work or you've been involved in a really emotional event. I have a friend in my small group who works in the ICU and she's seen tons of people you know, pass on and she's seen lots of pain. And she said when she first started the job, she had a really hard time because she would go to, you know, different church events or she would talk to different people and they would talk about things that they were inconvenienced by or things that were hard in their life. And they just weren't equivalent to the kinds of chaos and trauma of her work. And it was hard, again, to shut off the emotion and not bring it home and to have a completely different work life and then, you know, a completely different home life. People, I think, who work in law enforcement or in um, any sort of investigation or detective work could also resonate with this. You have a really bad case at work and it's really taking up a lot of your head space. And you have to learn to turn that off in order to come home because it's not like, you know, something that you can punch out of and check out of and then go home and live a normal life when you're confronted with this type of information in these type of cases every single day. Now, I do want to pivot a little bit and just talk about organizational structure or as we know it, corporate structure and the history behind that because I hear a lot from my dad and his family. My dad is from the baby boomer generation and a lot of his family is from the baby boomer or Gen X generation and my mom is from Gen X and my siblings are from Gen X and so what I hear all the time is this is just how it is this is adulthood this is what you do you do your nine to five you work 65 years you work up your retirement you retire and that's your life and that's what you need to get used to but the thing that I always struggle with is that this method of doing things really is not that old It's really a new concept and we're just used to it because it's all we've known and a couple generations before us, it's all they have known. So this corporate structure, or what was originally called the organizational structure, came about during the Industrial Revolution between 1760 and 1840. Companies started to form and increase and there was a greater need for hierarchical structure within them. So that was kind of the birthplace of what we would have as a modern nine to five. So we started to see this come into American labor unions throughout the 1800s, but we really used the eight hour workday because of Henry Ford when he made this mainstream in the 1920s. I've read this book a couple times and I highly recommend it. It's called To Hell with the Hustle by Jefferson Bethke. And he talks a lot about how this corporate structure and this go, go, go mindset and this This hustle culture, this is all very new, and it's really in an infancy stage when you look at history. When we really put math to it, this has only been around at most for 260 years, so 1760 to 2020. That's 260 years of my math quickly is mathing correctly, Uh, but he talks about how we need space for rest. And even God like took six days of work and had a day of rest. There's something within there where this hustle culture and this nine to five and this very scheduled way of living has seeped into a lot of what we do, whether that is sports, school, 
our jobs, the church we go to, everything is becoming really corporate and really structured. And I think when we have the expectation that people will work and work and work and work and they'll push themselves and they will hustle until they can't hustle anymore, it's really doing a detriment to us. And then when you don't really get a break from that because everything else is kind of set up the same way and everything feels like a job and you know, I didn't even really get into burnout within the church. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week. This is your sneak peek for listening this far. I'm going to talk about singleness for Valentine's Day and my experience as a single person. But one thing I keyed on when I did a Instagram story a couple months ago is that singles get so burnt out within church because everybody assumes that we have all the time in the world to do everything because we aren't married and we don't have kids. And so a lot of things are put on single people. And inevitably, there is a burnout within church culture when we start treating a church like a corporation. I've touched on a few of these points already, but I just want to restate the outcomes of burnout. One could be not working towards a purpose or a legacy. Now, do I believe that young people are very purpose-focused in an unhealthy way? Yes, I do. I think that too often we get so focused on if something is benefiting our personal legacy in the future or if I don't feel purposeful doing this basic job, then I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to quit. So there is, a, there is a point where we need to push through because there are things in life that will be tough and there are things in life where we will have a little bit of pushback and we do have to learn how to handle conflict and how to handle, I mean, really more so resolution with a conflict or with different expectations or different opinions, right? Like, and sometimes you will be in a job where you don't know if you made the right decision and you really have to push through in that. So that is part of adulthood. But I think in a greater sense, when I'm talking to especially friends who work in tech or corporate, there's a lot of this like not understanding what the purpose is in the long run because we're not necessarily doing something physical where we can see an outcome immediately. So my friend working in the ICU, yes, there's an outcome that somebody could pass on, but there's also an outcome that somebody could get better. And so you can see them physically getting better or somebody working in the trades. Although you're not building a building that benefits you necessarily, you get to see from beginning to end the building of a structure or a bridge or a building or whatever you're creating. Or if you are a mechanic or a plumber or someone who works you know, on electricity or Wi-Fi, like you get to see the outcome of someone having a problem with their pipes or with their electricity or with their car. And then you get to work and make that car run and have a longer life. You're really sustainable king and queen, okay? Or you get to see somebody's house function as it needs to function. It's not always glamorous, but it is a beginning and an end that you get to see within your role. Same thing with raising kids. You know, I have a lot of friends or family members who are stay-at-home moms, and they always talk about how, you know, there's there's challenges day to day, but when they see a child thrive or they see a kid finally learn something or really grasp a concept, it's very exciting because that shows that they stuck it out and it worked, but that's their purpose. But if you're working in tech or you're working in corporate, you're kind of just a cog in a wheel and you kind of do this Henry Ford assembly line work where you do one role all the time and you don't get to see a process necessarily from beginning to end. 
you might be at the end where you're on a sales team and you get to sell the idea and you get a really big client or you get a really big deal and that's very exciting. But there's so many other people within that realm and within that process who never get to see that end. Or maybe you're the beginning and you start from scratch and you come up with this amazing technological idea and that's very exciting, but you never get to see it really used by other people. Or you get to see the final product, but you didn't get to see all the steps in between from your original thought to the final product that went out. So a lot of times people who work in these specific fields have a hard time with purpose or legacy because it feels like all I'm doing is working for somebody else to get richer and these people who are monopolizing corporations get to make all this money and I'm just over here doing all the work for them. A second thing I've noticed is that my job eats away at my creativity. So by the time that I get done with work, I don't really want to do anything. So that plays into me napping a lot, like I mentioned earlier, or sleeping a lot. But that also goes into kind of social events and things like that. I used to be an incredibly social person. And the last couple years especially, I have really struggled because I feel like I'm at 0% by the time 3 o'clock hits every day. And I have nothing to give anybody else. And so the idea of not only having to drive but find parking and then pay for a meal and give more of myself emotionally to someone, I'm a lot pickier on who I will do that with. Not because I don't like people, because I just genuinely don't have much more to give. And this also feeds into things like me blogging or me doing TikTok videos or me styling an outfit. That's a lot of creative process in there that people I don't think realize or really understand. And so my creativity is eaten up a lot and it takes a lot more time for me to create something. Even these podcasts, after sitting at a computer all day and having to focus on something for somebody else, it's hard for me to have the energy to sit down and focus on writing something or putting in notes or going out and researching and giving more of myself to the process of podcasting. And then I have to set up the camera and I have to set up the microphone and I have to have everything together and I have to record and then I get to edit the whole thing, which takes more hours and I have to upload it and then I have to do a social media post. And there's so much in even something as simple as a podcast, like I mentioned earlier. And the final outcome of burnout that I see, I will call disillusionment. And that's when you believe that a company really will continue to value you because you give extra time and you work overtime and you give all of yourself. And if you just give a little more, maybe they will see and they will um, affirm me in what I'm doing and maybe it will benefit me. And don't get me wrong, I think if you work in a job where there are actual tangible goals and it's a little more person to person, that might actually be a reality. Maybe you work a job where you have to work overtime for events or something and then that event pays off because more people learn about your business or about you personally and it builds a brand type of situation. So there I would see like a growth in that and a benefit to that. But I think a lot of times, again, I'm speaking from the viewpoint of corporate or I'm speaking from the viewpoint of tech. We give more and more and more of ourselves. And if we don't have a boundary on our work life, which I'm going to get into in a minute, it, then we believe that they'll see what we've given and they'll see what I've put into this work and they will benefit me. But a lot of times that's just not how things are working anymore. And in fact, it's actually more beneficial for people to leave the role that they're in because that benefits them greater. And that's one thing I wanted to touch on. I actually
actually didn't make a note about this, but kind of going back to the baby boomer, Gen X, even older millennial way of thinking, I have had to educate friends and family, but mostly like family members that are older, that corporate does not work the same way it used to. And I had an uncle who worked from, I think he was in like the mail room or he did some janitorial, kind of like lower level things within a corporate setting. And he worked his way up to VP of sales um, for a business that's local around here. And that's how it used to work. You quote unquote, picked yourself up by the bootstraps and you worked really hard and you got promoted and you got, you know, you knew this person and you made these connections and they helped you get up to this role. And then you really thrived. And by the time you retired, you were at the top of the company and it just took a little extra work to get there. And ultimately, I guess I just want to say like, you can work really hard and you can give all of yourself to a job. And sometimes it's just not enough. And the way that companies work now is that you have to jump around to better fit yourself and to have a lot of good businesses on your resume and to have a lot of different positions and work your way up. And especially things like pay, statistically, and I apologize because I usually like to note who has quoted this, but it has been shown over and over again for years. If you stay at a job longer than two years currently, like in a corporate setting, if you stay at a job over two years, you are losing out on money in the long run. And I'm saying that very hypocritically because I've been at the same job for five. So that's just something I want to say, like no amount of promotion at my current role is going to get me anywhere close to if I go and work a different role. And that's all I'm going to say about that for now. We'll see what the future holds. So let's talk about a few ways to cure burnout. I find that doing something after work hours is really beneficial or doing something midday is really beneficial. So the first thing that I would say is to create boundaries. Now, this is creating boundaries that if you work nine to five, you don't start till nine and you don't end till five. Again, if you have a situation where you guys are at a deadline for a project and it's, you know, once, twice a year that you have to do this, obviously work overtime and like get that project done and do what you need to do to stay on the team and stay employed. But overall, I would say creating boundaries, especially on your time, I get emails right now at 10.30 p.m. at 12.30 in the morning from my higher-ups and they have questions and they want me to answer immediately or they'll send something on Sunday night at 11 p.m. and be like, in the morning, can you answer this? Beyond my time of work two in the afternoon, I work seven to three and when three o'clock hits, if people are emailing me and they're asking me questions, I'm not responding till the next morning when I'm on the clock. And that is something that I've really had to put into practice because I've seen too many friends and too many family members abuse themselves in order to get ahead in their work, but they're not really getting ahead because as I mentioned before, that's just not necessarily how things work anymore. And I think they're being taken advantage of and I want them to have healthier boundaries. In the same way, I have a friend who likes to take a walk midday. So that goes into staying active. That's one of the points of going against burnout is creating boundaries and staying active. Those are the first two. She knows that midday she needs to go take a walk and get away from her computer and just go be outside. She lives in California and that really benefits her. And so that's what she does during her lunch hour. She takes a walk and she has lunch and she makes time for that. And she needs to get better at it, but thankfully she has a spouse who can help her with that too. But staying active has really benefited me. I know when I go and I work out after work hours, 
I just feel so much better. And it really also alleviates when I have a headache or I have, you know, sore muscles or tight muscles to go and work out or just to even be active, to take a walk, to walk around your house, to just get away from your computer. My mom works for an eye doctor and she would be upset if I didn't tell you the 20-20-20 rule. So every 20 minutes when you're looking at a computer or you're reading something up close, you take 20 seconds and you look 20 feet away from you. I think that's what it is. But I'm just going to put that in there as a little mouthpiece in case my mom ever listens to this. And she's like, I don't know why this girl didn't say that. I said it, mom. The 20-20-20 rule. That will help your eyesight because so many people are having eyesight issues. And again, with everything being so young and these industries being so young, we have no idea how being on a computer for 10 hours a day will affect our eyesight. So be careful, wear blue light lenses, like do what you have to do. Um, and then also just staying active and helping your body and helping your mind. One of my friends I was talking to on Saturday, she has one of those flat uh, treadmill things and so it just keeps her moving. So she'll be at a standing desk and she'll have this little walking pad underneath her feet and she'll walk and she'll do her work and it helps her focus, but it also keeps her active because this was another thing I heard. Again, I can't quote it because it's just coming to mind right now, but somebody said that if you work eight hours a day at a desk, you have to work like three, work out three hours that day in order to counteract the sedentary lifestyle that you're living, which is like insane. So please prioritize just being active in some way and like being good to your body. This would also go into things like meal planning. So maybe Sunday night, you meal plan for the rest of the week and it's a lot of work for two hours, but then you don't have to think about your lunches because they're already pre-done and pre-ready to go or your dinners or your breakfast, whatever it may be, whatever meal you're focusing on or you really struggle with. A lot of people struggle with lunch for this reason because they want it to be convenient. So if you meal prep or you take time out of your evening to really cook a dinner that you wanted to try or try a new recipe or bake something, that is a great way to counteract burnout. Things like journaling or playing an instrument, something that allows your mind to get outside of the focus of your job. So a lot of people for memory care and for also just mental health, they play instruments or they sing or they write lyrics or they journal and they write a story or they do fan fiction or they create art and they do AI art or they do anime or they do cartoons, whatever it may be. I know a lot of people who counteract that stressful feeling and that stressful work day by doing something that brings them joy and just is something simple that helps them get out of work mode. Kind of going along with creating boundaries, I would say learning to say no it is not mean to say that you cannot hang out with somebody or that you cannot help somebody or that you've been going, going, going. You don't have to have a huge long reason why you can't hang out with them or you can't do something. You can simply say no and you can do it in a kind, respectful way and people can receive it in a kind, respectful way. And if it comes to your boss and your higher ups in your job and they are not understanding why you would say no because that job is their life and it's not your life, then I would say either go find a different job or don't worry about it because that's your boundary that you're creating that's healthiest for you. And I don't think it's fair that people who are higher up in a corporate ladder or higher up in a in the hierarchy of a company feel like they have the right to tell you that you have to do everything or that you always have to be available. I really wanted to put this one in here kind of going again with creating boundaries 
there is something different between having worked in a physical work location and now working remote because the first I would say year and a half two years that I worked remote fully I loved it I was like I love working from home I love not having to commute I love not having to dress up I love that I can just sit in my bed and do all this stuff but I think the downside of working remote is that you cannot clock out unless you make yourself clock out because I've noticed people really will push my boundaries a lot more now in this current day and age than they did two or three years ago when I was in office in person. They always think that they are supposed to have my time and they're supposed to have my ear and that I should be available all the time because I have a computer at home. And that's just not the case. And you have to create those boundaries for yourself. Otherwise, nobody else will. A final way to cure a burnout, again, going back to Jefferson Bethke, is having a Sabbath. And really, this goes back to, again, God or the Bible, because God worked for six days. And I think that's the key point here, actually. It's not necessarily that he rested on the seventh, although that obviously is a act of importance because God is not hypocritical and anything that he requires of us, he himself will do. And if there's a God that is limitless and a God that never gets tired, who says that resting is important, then you best believe that you as a human with limits and boundaries, like you, you need rest and you need time because you're not God. And that's just the truth of it. But I think the bigger thing too, is that work has always been a part of God's plan. And when Adam and Eve were working in the garden, it wasn't described as burdensome. In fact, we see in the Bible that Christ says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so does that mean that every single day of work is going to be easy? No, we're interacting with other humans. But I do think there is something to that where like Sabbath and work both have always been a part of the plan that God had for humans. And so one thing I'm trying to learn recently is how to first like figure out what is holy work and it doesn't have to be like being a missionary or being a pastor but more so like what is a holy way to approach the job that I'm doing do it for God's glory but also do it in a healthy way for myself because I don't think God called me to be like a hustle culture queen and <laughs> do all that and basically you know work myself to the bone I think that he gives me a job to provide for me, and I think that's a really gracious thing that God has done in my life. And even before that, being able to go to school or have the opportunities or the networking that I have and the experience that I had, all that comes from God that played into getting this role. But I do think that God has a much more balanced viewpoint of work and rest and how that looks. And so that's what I've been trying to get in the mindset of more. And I don't have a lot more to say on that because I'm just learning like Sabbath and rest and all of that. That's such a big concept. So this is just like the starter points for ways to counteract burnout. I want to thank you guys for listening. I'm going to end this episode with a challenge. I want you in the comments to write one activity or thing that you will do for yourself this week to counteract burnout, whether that's creating boundaries, taking a bath and doing self-care, going to therapy, hosting a social night, working out or being active, cooking a meal you wanted to try, styling an outfit every single day, whatever it may be, writing in your journal, creating a comic, doing an anime, doing a reel that you've been wanting to put time aside to do. However you relax and enjoy and create 
and self-care, however that plays out for you. I want you to write it in the comments and then I want you to do it. And if it's something that's weekly, I want you to come back and tell us how you did at next week's podcast. And or if it's daily, same thing. I want you to come back next week and tell us how you did. 